Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. One of the things I do in the book Insurgents is open up with a conversation on the glory of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that it's so important that we understand that it is really impossible for a human being to give their lives in reckless abandon to a person without first loving them. And it's impossible to truly love someone Mm. without first seeing how lovable they are. And I'm speaking of love in the sense that goes beyond simply doing good for another human being or benefiting them. I'm talking about the kind of love that the Lord has for us and the love that he is asking us to return to him. So in other words, to talk to a non-Christian and say, God wants you to love him. Jesus wants you to surrender your entire life to him without first showing that individual who Christ is Mm. and how wonderful and glorious and beautiful and majestic and gracious and how loving he is to, as it were, compel the person to want to give their heart to the Lord, to want to surrender their life to Him, it basically becomes an impossibility. It becomes nothing more than a religious duty or a forced rule. And just simply saying, well, He died for you, well, that's good and true, amen, Jesus (laughs) died for you. In my experience, that's not enough to really hit a person in the center of their heart to draw out of them a reckless abandonment to Christ. It takes an unveiling of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And that's exactly what the apostles had. Yeah. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, well, you know, and that's um, you know, I just I just want to read here Galatians chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen, because Paul says, But when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me. Why? So that I could preach him among the Gentiles. You know, you bring that out so eloquently in in the book. I always wondered when Matthew Levi is sitting at that tax, his job, he's collecting taxes, and it says, and Jesus passed by and said, follow me. And he gets up. It's not even break time or lunch time or the end of the day. And just abandons his job mm. and follows him. So it wasn't just this. He was tall, dark, and handsome because Judas had to kiss him in the garden to point out who he was. So it was something about the glory that was on Jesus Christ that, that drew Matthew, Levi, to, to follow him. And, and then Peter. Peter and, and his brother, Andrew, and John and James. John and James are in the boat with their father. It's the father's business. It's the family business. They're mending the nets with their workers. And Jesus walks by and says, follow me. And they just left. And then the, the, the text says, and their father, they left him. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was the revealing of the glory. You, you open up this, this part two of uh, 
insurgency uh, reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And the whole section, and you just said this, Frankie, is uh, unveiling the king's beauty. And I just want to read what's here. It says, preachers often say, follow Jesus, give him your whole life, forsake everything, and yield yourselves totally to him. But this exhortation is virtually impossible to follow unless we first have eyes to see our Lord's beauty. When we see Christ as he really is, giving him our lives is a natural response. And so I was, I not only was, but continue to be challenged by uh, something that, you know, I picked up from Frankie V's ministry, T.A. Sparks' ministry, Watchman Knee's ministry, just some other spiritual giants whose shoulders we stand on, is that ministry, like Paul said, when Christ was revealed in him, he was able to share with others. I must have the personal experience of Christ's glory revealed to me, and then I reveal that glory that's mm. been shown to me to others, because if we're not captured by his glory, mm. I can't exhort people to give themselves to him. And I've got to be able to have seen that glory, experienced the glory, walk in that glory myself, and then by the mercy and grace of the Lord to be able to share that glory with others. That's what happens on the Deeper Christian Life Network is, you know, uh, Frank and, and other people in there reveal the glory of God, reveal his glory. We remind each other of his grace, and then we have the freedom to follow. So this this is just so important because elsewise... And I've done it. I've used that same exhortation, forsake all, follow Jesus. But then it'll come out legalistically because I haven't revealed the glory. Mm. And so I'm guilting people to mm. forsake all without showing them the glory. Mm. And I can't show something that I haven't seen myself. Mm. Yeah. So that's just another one of the linchpin, I think, that forsaking all to come to the kingdom. You've got to see the glory. And I, I will probably get into it later, but I have to just say it now because I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by, by this whole piece here. Frank brings out in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, When King Uzziah died, you know, I saw the glory of the Lord and his train filled the temple. And it's like, wow, Jesus comes along and I never saw this before. In John 12, uh, it's around verse 41. Jesus says, Isaiah saw me. Mm -hmm. And when Isaiah gets captured by the glory, I mean, the first five chapters, chapter one, verse one, Isaiah is already a prophet. And he's prophesying under, you know, during the kingdom reign of Uzziah. But now chapter six, Uzziah dies and he gets a glimpse of Christ and he forsakes everything. But it's like he's he's just shaken. He sees his own depravity. He says, I'm a man of unclean mm -hmm. lips, and I'm surrounded by, you know, other people with unclean lips. This is the prophet speaking now, right? The one that said a few chapters before, come let us reason together, mm -hmm. you know. Then it shows where we can't clean ourselves. The angel, the messenger of the Lord, has to take the piece of hot coal and sanctify him with it, putting it in his mouth. Then third... And, you know, we use a term in, in the city, people say eavesdropping, we call it ear hustling. And it's kind of like Isaiah's ear hustling on the Lord, you know, talking to his celestial kingdom. And it's like, well, who can, who can we send? Who, who can we send on the do? And Isaiah says, send me, I'll go. Now, just catch that. 
how he's caught by the glory. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know how he's going to get there. He doesn't know anything about it. He's so captured by the glory of Jesus Christ that he's like, I'll do whatever you want. I'm forsaking all. And, and that's such a key. This is definitely the linchpin, is being captured by his glory. And as a pastor, as I, and I said in a previous podcast, every week I come before God's people every day, even at the rescue mission. And the key has to be is revealing his glory. Not just transferring information to yeah, people, amen, but a revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because if we can see the glory of Jesus Christ, our lives will never be the same. Isaiah uses that term, I am undone. I'm undone. You know, I am wrecked. I am ruined. And that, that's exactly the effect that seeing the Lord, having a revelation of him, creates. And I was the same way when I began first reading the Gospels many, many years ago. It never really clicked. It never really made sense that here's this new prophet walking by and he's saying, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me to these men yeah. you know, who are involved in their own businesses and their own jobs. And then they suddenly leave. It was only until I learned to read the Gospels narratively, yeah. chronologically, yes. that you begin to see yeah. that before he ever did that, yeah. they had exposure to him. Yes. They yes. saw him yes. doing his yeah. thing. Yes. You yes. see what I mean? Yeah. They had seen his glory. Yeah. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John yes. says. Yes. They saw him yes. first yeah. before he ever came by and said, all right, abandon everything and follow me. Yeah. Consequently, it is so true that you cannot compel a person, and I'm even talking to Christian people, to abandon everything and forsake all, to follow Jesus Christ and give full allegiance to him, unless you first reveal him in your preaching, in your teaching, in your sharing. And you can't reveal him unless he's first been revealed to you. And this, I believe, is what is missing in the Christian faith. Amen. That we're preaching, I say we generically here, yeah. but most, most preachers, yes. I will say most boldly, because I have met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, mm-hmm. and even being exposed digitally for thousands of preachers, and hearing hundreds and hundreds of sermons and so forth, that most of it, brother, is just information. It's That's just it. information. Yeah, it yeah. does not move the heart. It can move emotions, too. You get a charismatic yeah. guy yeah, there, yeah, you get a charismatic yeah. woman. Absolutely. And move the emotions, make people cry. But that is not revelation not, that breaks into and pierces the heart. Yeah. And as the old hymn says, the look that melted Peter, oh. the face that Stephen saw, the heart that wept with Mary, can alone from idols draw. Our eyes must be opened to see him, and then out of that there is the response to his glory, which is a forsaking of all. So I agree with you totally. That is the linchpin. You know, and Frank, something that that I I gleaned just a book and the conference messages was, and and you said it, you know, he said uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that's in John 1, and then they leave that day, and they start following Jesus, they're following Jesus. Then you get to chapter 2, 
And it says, on the third day, a wedding took place. And this is the wedding where Jesus mm -hmm. turns the water into wine. But a verse that I read so many times, but until I was shown this, revealed this glory piece, and the, the linchpin that it is, is John chapter 2, verse 11. After he's done the, the miracle with the, the water into wine, it says in verse 11, Jesus did this, the first of his signs. Then it says, listen to this, he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Yeah, amen. Now, I'm sitting here saying, well, wait a second. They've already left everything for over a week. They've been hanging with this guy. They haven't fished, some of them. They haven't done their other job. And they just started to believe. So, you know, I'm one of those seminary-trained guys. I went and looked deeper in that language that his disciples believed in him. And the Greek really says they believe into him like yes. more. Yes. So it's not just an initial revelation of yeah. the glory. It's not just a couple of times. It's a daily, I plead to the Lord, show me moment by moment your glory. Because yes. that's how we go deeper into him when he continues to reveal his glory. Amen. Which is following hard after Christ in this deeper journey. Amen. And you know what else that's interesting about that story? And this gives a little insight into what it means to see his glory. At that wedding, mm -hmm. you had a major crisis going on with the bridegroom. Yeah. Because the bridegroom is responsible for the wine, okay, in that day. Yeah, yeah. And to run out of wine is a huge shame. And a shame culture. And a shame culture. You're right, honor and shame culture. Yeah. And here's the guy, I'm talking about the bridegroom now, it's his greatest day since he's been breathing oxygen, it's his wedding day, mm. and he's made preparation, yeah. and now the wine runs out. Uh -oh. It was a major oversight, a major failure, and now he's going to get plastered with shame on the greatest day of his life. But here is Jesus of Nazareth. He's there, thank God. Thank God he invited he, him to the wedding. <laughs> yeah, thank God. And thank God Jesus' mother, she had been around Jesus long enough that mm -hmm. she knew if there's a problem, you just go to my son. Amen. And so she, she said, we're out of wine. <laughs> What's interesting is in some of the translations, it says woman, you know, what do I have to yeah. do here? And those are such poor translations. Yeah. You know, in that yeah. day, that word there, he wouldn't say woman like as a condescension. Yeah. It just means madame, yeah. madam. Yes. And, you yeah. know, Good. That's all that is. Good and teaching. so then he not only takes care of the wine, by replacing it, but it's even better. Yeah. And what that does, it not only removes the shame yeah. from the bridegroom, mm -hmm. had he not done that miracle, but it makes the bridegroom look like a hero. He's like a, a hero. Like a genius. Yes, yes. The best wine for yeah. last. And, yeah. and they're all marveling at yes. what a wonderful yeah. stroke of genius. That was the Lord Jesus. Yes. And so... That's seeing his glory. That's the kind of yes, Lord we yes, have. Yes. He does that kind of thing in our own lives. Yeah. In the lives of people. Yeah. You know, and so that's why in the beginning of the book, as you know, what I tried to do is tell the story differently yeah. by grabbing those various vignettes in yes, the gospel yes, yes. and making you the person who is being touched and delivered and healed and released. So you're the person, yeah. you're the bridegroom in yeah. that story. In the story, yeah. 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 And yeah. so that's how I want to open it up before I 
unleash the gospel of the kingdom yeah. because we have to see his yeah. glory before we can respond to him. So you talk about the Samaritan woman, you talk about the woman with the issue of blood, you know, these different these different people that Christ's glory was shown to and how it was revealed and then people are captured by his glory. Now, another piece, you know, going along with the uh, the John 2 piece that we, you know, we're talking about here is that Jesus tells the servants to, to take the, the water that's used for religious purification to take that and use that, and then it's changed. Well, these servants who took the water, well, they knew when it was poured out that what they carried over was water. But now it's wine, and it's this good wine. The person who was over the whole affair, who tastes it, and kind of calls the bridegroom over and says, well, wait a second, you saved the best for last. He was exposed to the glory. There were other guests there who, who drank that wine and saw that it was a good wine. And they were exposed to the glory. And there was the bridegroom himself, who Frank so eloquently brings out, is uh, turned from what could have been a horrific shame to become the hero of the story right? He's exposed to the glory. But in John chapter 2, verse 11, we see that the disciples are the only ones who, as far as we can tell, reading the text, who got the revelation of the glory. So this is why it makes Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, something that when I uh, uh, read the book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, that I used to pray this prayer in Ephesians 1 for myself and, and pray it for our church. And Paul says in Ephesians 1, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. In other words, I pray that the hearts may be enlightened. And so that's always my prayer. And, and, and just as Frank was saying how inserting ourselves in the story of the water to the wine, inserting ourselves into the story of the woman with the issue of blood, inserting ourselves as mm. that Samaritan woman, you know, you can pray that prayer and insert yourself in that prayer, Lord, Open up the eyes of my heart that I may see your glory. Mm. You can pray that, pastor, you know, deacon, trustee, whoever, for your church. You know, pray that. Open the eyes so that we may see your glory. I just believe, Frankie, the, that uh, the more and more we as believers see his glory and then we share that glory, not just with other believers, that's important to build up the body, but share that glory with the world that there's going to be more people whose eyes will be open, the eyes of their hearts. And if you get captured by his glory, whoo, this becomes such a fascinating journey after that, yeah, is to be captured by the glory of Jesus Christ. And see, and that's not legalistic. That's not, you got to try harder. You got to do more. Right. When you're captured by the glory, you're like Isaiah. You're just, I'm, I'm here because I see my own undoneness. I see my need for Christ. I see it even the more. And I see his glory. And then I'm reminded of his grace. 
I'm reminded of his loving kindness. I'm reminded of his mercy, reminded of that, and to sharing that with others. And then that's how God rules, because then he says, follow me. And it's freedom. Amen. It's freedom to follow. Amen. Amen. One of the things that a kingdom community does is the brothers and sisters in that community show one another his glory yeah. over and over and over again. And they remind each other of his grace yeah. over and over and over again. And so our insight into Christ, our revelation of Christ, our unveiling of Christ grows and grows and grows. And the abandonment yeah. goes deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper. And the yeah. allegiance gets stronger and stronger. I'm looking at a book that puts all four Gospels together in chronological order. It's written by Robert H. Mounts, who is now in his 90s. Mm. The last conversation I had with him, I think he was pushing 96. He basically lays out the Gospel story by putting all four Gospels together in chronological order and then putting it in the first person yeah. in the mouth of Jesus. So instead of saying, you know, Jesus then walked to Galilee, it, it's rendered, and then I walked to Galilee. So yeah. Jesus is telling his own story. And on page 29, you have the beginning of the first disciples, disciples of John the Baptist mentioned, and then you have the marriage of Cana, mm -hmm. which we just talked about. Yes, yeah. So that's page 29 and 30. Well, 10 pages later, you get to the call of the disciples. Wow. Where he says, follow me. So there was time. Time. In from between. the time yeah. that Jesus first met these men and they first laid eyes on him, they saw him do certain things. Yeah. There was time until the time where he came by and said, follow me. They already knew who he was. They saw yeah. What he did. They yeah. were exposed to his glory. You see what I mean? Yeah. That's huge. It's a huge insight. I never saw that before. Mm -hmm. I never saw that. I studied the gospel. Okay, I pick up the gospel of John. In fact, when I got saved, it was like, okay, read John. So I read John, and I'm watching these guys just give up everything. And I read Matthew. They give up. And I'm like, well, how'd they do that? <laughs> oh, well, you know, the Spirit draw them. <laughs> right. Well, then, now it's my fault because the Spirit is drawing me to give up everything like that. That's right, like, brother. Wow, Another know? occasion of guilt. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, I got to pray more, read my Bible more, come to more Bible studies, you know, fast and pray more, and then maybe the Spirit will touch me like that. Because I just in my sanctify, I think Tozer, what A.W. Tozer said, sanctified imagination. And yep. yeah, can you imagine? I think you brought, Frank brought this out on one of the master classes in the Deeper Christian Life Network. Peter comes home and the wife is like, you know, hey, the uh, the boat payment is due. Oh, I sold the boat. You, know, you mm -hmm. sold the boat? Yeah, I sold the house too. You know? <laughs> really? What is it? Yeah, you know, we're going to follow the Messiah. You know? <laughs> and so praise God that uh, Peter's wife had <laughs> saw the glory too. She, you know, she had to see his glory. And so I think you bring out in that, you know, we have to commend her. We don't even know her name. But we know that uh, she she had to see the glory. And that's the only way we can abandon all. Yeah. And glory. we know that she did, in fact, get exposed to his glory because it was Jesus who healed her mother. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And then later we see yeah. that she is traveling with Peter. Yeah. When Peter is doing the work of an apostle, he is moving from place to place, and she's with him. We know this from 1 Corinthians 9. So she saw it. So, yeah, what, a, what an incredible she lady she was, uh, without doubt. One of the things we were talking about over dinner last night was how 
so many of the Lord's people are obsessed with other things mm. other than Jesus Christ. And I'm not yeah. even talking about worldly things now. Yeah. I'm yeah. about religious, spiritual yeah. things, whether it's causes or doctrines or practices. And those things are not the same as Jesus himself. They're not. He is a living, breathing person. Yeah. Who can be discovered. Yes. Who can be known. Who can be experienced. One of the, the characteristics of the gospel of the kingdom is that the central message is Jesus himself. Yes. Not just his Savior. Yeah. But his fullness. You know, the king's fullness. And so a person who is obsessed with, let's say, evangelism. Mm-hmm. A person who is obsessed with, let's say, helping the poor. Well, both good things. Yeah. Things that I engage in myself, things that I believe in, I stand by. Someone who's possessed with end-time theology and trying to figure out who the Antichrist is, <laughs> and on and on. Someone who is obsessed with justice, for uh-huh. example. Someone who is obsessed with Bible teaching and Bible study. Someone who is obsessed with leadership, mm. church leadership, ministry leadership. Someone who is obsessed with serving. Okay, All of those things are good things. All those things are Christian things, quote-unquote. Yeah. But they are not Jesus Christ. They're not, yeah. Yeah. And you can fall in love with those things and be passionate about those things and yet not really love and know very well him. Yes. Amen. Amen. And you know, I, and again, this is like you're writing the story of my life. And it's so easy to become consumed. I call it distracted. Because mm. you're doing things mm. that, you know, you just said are good, but they take away from Christ. In fact, if anything else is the center and not Christ, then Christ has been pushed to the margins. Yeah. And that's that's not good. That's not that's not a good place to be in. But it's so easy, especially because those things are not those things are not only good in themselves, but as I was saying earlier, you know, I, I, I serve full time at a rescue mission. And you feel good when you feed somebody who's homeless. I'm talking about you feel good yourself yeah. when you do that. You know? And that's not bad, but it can become the motivating factor to why you do that because I helped out this poor person and I did it in the name of Jesus, but I'm walking away feeling so much better about myself. There's nothing with Isaiah's, I'm a man, I'm undone. (laughs) It's the complete opposite of that. And so there are people who I interact with, a lot of volunteers and I get to know them, and I try to warn them about that. You know, mm-hmm. make sure that it's just not you, because it feels good when you see that person. They're dirty. They're homeless. You know, they look bad. They're, it's it's they're in a difficult situation in life, and I gave them that plate of food. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even cook the food or buy the groceries. <laughs> Somebody else cooked it. And so we'll make those things the point of everything. I you know I used to go in some of the conferences. For our mission belongs to a, a bunch with a bunch of other uh, rescue missions, Christian rescue missions, and people will boast behind closed doors. We're the only ones living the gospel. Mm-hmm. The churches and everyone else aren't living the gospel because Jesus said, "I was hungry and you fed me. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, naked and you put clothes on me." And we're feeding and clothing people, and we're the ones who are going to be at His right side in Matthew twenty-five. And unfortunately, but again, I've seen his glory, so I'm like Isaiah, I'm undone. I fed into that for a year or so because you feel good about that. But 
That's self-righteousness, and it's not the center of the kingdom. In fact, Jesus is not only not at the center, but you are at the center now because you're the only one that's mm. doing what the Lord said, though. And we talked about Matthew 25, too, with that. Yeah, yeah that's self-righteousness, which comes in disguise most of the time. We're not in touch with it. But yeah, and I point this out in the book. And now certainly, I have to say this in preface, and I do yeah. point this out in yeah. the conversation. But God's people, we have a love. God so loved the world, so we also love the people in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, But when Jesus is talking in Matthew 25 mm -hmm. about, you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. His brethren are those who do the will of God. Amen. His brethren are those who share his life. Yes. He's talking about the disciples. And in that day, and he was pointing this out, he said many times, they're going to take you to jail. They're going to take you to prison. Yes. You're going to be beaten. You're going to go to the hospital. Yeah. And so it's the brothers and the sisters, the ecclesia, who in that moment go to their brothers and sisters and visit them in jail. Amen. And see them in the hospital. Yes. And feed them when they're without food. Then they're doing it unto Jesus Christ. Yes. Because they are part of Jesus Christ. Yes. What happened when Paul of Tarsus, known as Saul at the time, that's his other name, was persecuting the body of Christ. Uh -huh. Jesus Christ took it personally. Says, yes, he did. You are persecuting me. Me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The least of these, my brethren, if you do it unto them, you do it unto, unto me. me. He's talking about the body. Yes. And this gets back into a missing note in, in the church, by and large. And that is the greatest metric. In fact, it's the only metric that the Lord Jesus gave us as the evidence of discipleship that we are his disciples. Mm -hmm. Is that you love one another. Yeah, John. He's not talking about the world. He's mm -hmm. not talking about the, yeah. the lost. Yeah. yeah. One another. He's talking about his own disciples. And then they'll know that you're my then disciples. Then the world will know that you are my because you love one another. another. And here we have a whole segment of the body of Christ that is making how you treat non believers. Mm hmm. You know, if they're in bad conditions, which, by the way, we both believe it. We both yes. help the poor yeah. and the oppressed and so forth. We have a burden for that. Yes. But they make that the litmus test of being a disciple when they don't even hardly know one another in the body of Christ. Yes. They're not taking care of one another in the body of Christ. Christ. The whole focus is outward, right? That is very different from what Jesus had said. Very different. And so in God's kingdom, it is the hospitality of the body taking care mm. of one another then spilling over as an outflow yeah, yeah, to the world. To the world. But by and large, in most churches, things we organizations we call churches, it's all outward focused, and Christians don't even know one another, let alone taking care of one another. Frank V, think about that, man. And so on the earlier podcast, we were saying how we're an alternative civilization. Civilization, thank you. An alternative civilization, a foretaste. Uh, the reign of God, it, it, we're what it looks like when God's in charge. And so if we're distracted, because that's how we started this thing, we're distracted because we've made something other than Jesus the center, mm. and we're not taking care of one another, we're not being mm. the ecclesia, then we could be deceived into thinking that all this I'm doing out here is kingdom work, and I'm actually distracted from the kingdom 
even maybe taken away from the kingdom. Oh, yeah. And going in the opposite direction and then get deceived by my self-righteousness that this is yes. what the kingdom Bingo. is. And, uh, wow, thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy to reveal yourself. Because, like I said, I was been to conferences with homeless, homeless ministry where people were like, we're the only ones doing this. And then it became a condemnation of the church for not doing that. Mm. I've been in the 90s when I was in Newark, New Jersey. I did a lot of prison ministry. Mm. And it was the same thing. See, we're the ones that are mm. doing that. And that was the same. I told you, you wrote my life. You just did, mm-hmm. you know, you did my life with that. And it was like, wow, you made that the center. And I would leave the gatherings of the body of Christ together to go to prison because that became the focus Mm. of what my life was. And it wasn't Jesus Christ. Mm. But thank you, Lord, in his grace and mercy. Every time I've gone off that path, he'll bring me back in and show me and say, hey, you know, you got to repent. And and that's so good. But like we said, we started out saying that's a distraction. And so we got to be on guard for that, folks. Because so many things want to occupy our time. Mm. And as we talked about earlier, Lord, teach me the number of my days. Mm. And that's a good reason for like really looking like, is Jesus Christ really the center? You know, we sing this song in the church, you know, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. And I'll stop sometimes we're singing and say, no, let's stop for a minute. Okay, we're singing. Is that really true? (laughs) <laughs> Are you just mimicking, just reading the words off the piece of paper? Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Is that really true? Is he really the center of my joy? Mm. Is he really the center of everything for me? Or is it my job? Or is it the soccer matches? Or is it the National Football League? Or is it whatever it is, fill in the blank. And not to be legalistic, but is Jesus Christ really the center? Because that's it. That's everything. Everything is about Mm -hmm. Jesus. And adding to that, is it some ministry that I'm involved in? Is it some good thing I'm doing out in the world? And by the way, I'm all for good things. I'm all for noble causes, humanitarian efforts. But the kingdom of God cannot be separated from the king. Amen. And if someone is actually displaying the kingdom and or preaching the kingdom, then they're going to be talking an awful lot about this living person named Amen. Jesus of Amen. Nazareth, right. who is resurrected, who's still alive. They will be calling people to submit to him. Not just saying, well, Jesus taught this, so that's why I'm doing this, mm-hmm. but saying in their proclamation, in the, their display, he is knowable, discoverable, he's calling you to follow him. Yeah, yeah. And that's a totally different message. That is. And then the other thing, too, is if, if I... For example, recognize that there's something else in my heart and in my mind that I think about more often, that I'm more passionate about than Jesus. The antidote to that is not to, on the one hand, feel tremendous guilt and condemnation, and on the other hand, try to change it. It's to recognize I have not beheld his glory. I have not seen his beauty. Because he is the most irresistible person. He is the most incredible mm. person. He is the most radiant and glorious person that my need then becomes 
my eyes must be open. So now I want to expose myself to those who are revealing him and unveiling him and be exposed to that message and that display of Christ so that my heart will now respond, so that it will now see this Jesus once again afresh, a new and afresh. And then that will crowd out all the other things. Yeah. And we'll get my eyes focused back on him. You know, one of the things, too, that I, that I really believe is that when God created, we're told in the New Testament that God created in Christ and through Christ. And that means that there is an imprint of the eternal Son of God in everything that's created. Yeah. And so, consequently, when we look at the beauty of creation, you know, whether it's beautiful streams or this, the change of the seasons where you live or the oceans where I live or the sky and the planets or the world that lives underwater and all of the created things. And our breath is stolen because it's awe-inspiring in its beauty and its majesty. All of that, the beauty in the created order, is a picture, is a symbol, is an echo, is a pale image mm-hmm of the true beauty, which is Christ. It's representing him in some way. And so consequently, an artist who is drawing on the beauty in creation, which all art, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's something in the created order that they're painting. Yeah, that's good, drawing. that's good. Okay, they may not be in touch with this, mm-hmm. but they are aching to capture something of the beauty of the Creator, yeah. who is Jesus Christ. Yeah. They may not even be in touch with that, yeah. but that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we can also learn to look at creation mm. as the fingerprints of God pointing to His Son and revealing His Son, that is another way yeah. that we see His glory yeah. and are arrested by His glory mm. and then in turn are ruled by His glory. You, you just reminded me of, of something. It was Thursday of this week. And I was at the mission, and there, there's a there's a guy. He's been around there for about five or six years. He's not a believer, but about three or four weeks ago, he asked to be a part of the long term long term program, which means he has to come to Bible studies, life skills. And stuff like that. So anyhow, the other day he says, and he's just been quiet for the last few weeks. And the other day he says, Jeff. He says, I, uh, you want to know why I came to this program? I, I says, no, nah, why? He says, well, he said, you know, I never believed in God. I believed there was no God. <laughs> he said, I grew up in a household that we was poor here in the city of Philadelphia. I grew up in the ghetto, and God wasn't talking about it in my house. I didn't believe there was a God. And he said, I've been in prison, and I've been on drugs, mm-hmm. and I just felt if there was a God, why would he let that happen? Mm-hmm. So I says, okay. He says, but you know what made me come in here? I said, what's that? He said, it dawned on me one day as I was watching the leaves turn brown and fall off the tree. Huh. And he said, and looking at, he said, looking at the clouds. And he said, you know, I said, it dawned on me. Those were his words. It dawned on me that there got to be somebody controlling all this. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something that made all this go in these cycles like this. And he said, it dawned on me, maybe there is a God. So I'm coming here to these classes because I want to find out if there really is a God. And so I just read to him Romans 1 where it talks about he's seen in the creation. And I said to him, I said, I said Steve, I said, I, I believe that's the Lord 
trying to reveal his glory to you. And I'm just going to keep praying that mm. he keeps revealing that to you. Because if you get captured by his glory, brother, you're going to be ruined for him. <laughs> Amen. So when you just said awesome. that, it, re- it, reminded, it reminded me of that. And you said something else in the book. You said every artist writes their signature on their work somewhere. They put a mark in there somewhere that lets you know who they are. And you said God is the master artist of yeah. the creation that he has made. There's a, there's a, his signature somewhere there, his mark. And Colossians, you know, it says, well, all things were made by him, for him, and through him. Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there you have it, friends. As Jeffrey put it, captured by his glory, which leads to being ruled Ruled by his his glory. glory. Amen. Until next time, be good. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.